morning, everyone. So we are going to be talking about everything anxiety. Good morning, Francois. Madden. Hi. Madame Francois. Bonjour. Good morning. How are you? you? (laughs) I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. How was your weekend? Good. Relaxed, I think. (laughs) I feel like everything's a a blur now. Yeah. And, you know. and it definitely feels like it's getting blurrier. Like the mm-hmm. more we feel like we, we're somewhere, we're getting comfortable or situated in the situation. Yes. All of a sudden you have all these new updates and yep. you just feel like you're starting over. That's true. Hey, friends. <laughs> Everyone's already saying hi, hi to you. Yes. So I'm like, I say hello. <laughs> so introduce yourself to everyone. Yes. Yeah, so I'm Marlene Francois Madden. Um, I'm a therapist in New Jersey. I have a private practice in Montclair. Um, I was about to say Mpali Francais, but no, Mpali Creole, but we're going to keep this in English for today. But I work predominantly with millennial women and Gen Z that suffer with depression and anxiety. So for me, a lot of my approaches are coming from more of a holistic approach, mindfulness techniques. So we'll talk about that as we dive deep into this. Yeah, so thank you so much for joining us this morning. Um, We spoke over this weekend. I was like, you know what? We really just needed to have this conversation because I've been talking to so many people and a lot of people are experiencing anxiety right now. And a lot of people that didn't even know that they suffer from anxiety are discovering that they are um they are um struggling with anxiety right now they don't know what it looks like you hear people having a conversation i'm like yeah this sounds like anxiety so before we get into everything um can you explain to everyone what exactly is anxiety yeah absolutely so people often get anxiety and panic attacks mixed up they're two separate things anxiety is more so worry panic attacks is fear-based so mm-hmm. with anxiety, um, with anxiety, there's five different types. Most people go under the generalized anxiety disorder, and the other types are like OCD, PTSD, panic disorder, um, agoraphobia, which is social phobia, where people don't want to leave their house, like they're scared to leave their house. So with anxiety disorder, oftentimes you have this worry, and the worry could be it could be like you're throwing a party and you're just worried the entire time, and everyone else yeah. is like, why are you so worried about that? So you're worried about something, you're anticipating worry for something that's happening in the future. And it usually happens for six months where you have difficulties, you know, focusing, you're easily distracted, you're feeling restless. Um, There's a change in your pattern that affects like your day-to-day life. So when you go to work, you find that you can't concentrate, you can't do your work well. You find that when you're at home, everything is just a blur, it's just kind of clouded. Um, but generally people don't realize there's a difference between the two. And when you do have panic attacks and some people who have generalized anxiety sort of also have this part where like your heart is racing. Mm-hmm. You feel like there's like an apple stuck in your throat and you can't breathe. You're having, um, tons of tension, um, in your body. You're feeling, you have headaches, you have f- physical symptoms like stomach aches. You're having, um, sweaty palms, um, hyperventilating, and that happens a lot to people. They don't realize like, okay, well, something is happening. How do I know the difference? And when you have a panic attack, usually that is quick and rapid. It's happening yeah. between less than 30 minutes. And it happens out of nowhere. And you really can't explain how it happened. So when it happens with people, they're just like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, what's happening? And they feel like, oh my gosh, am I going to die? I feel like I'm going, people often say, I feel like tech went full. I'm, I'm going crazy. I don't like to use the word crazy, but it's the yeah. way that people <laughs> describe it. 
and they just feel like, I don't know, I don't know what to do. I feel like I'm suffocating what's happening here and everything becomes a blur and then it stops out of nowhere. And then generally when people develop panic disorder, it's when they have repeated panic attacks happening and they feel like, well, I don't know when my next panic attack is gonna happen. So now I'm like worried, like what if this happens when I'm out with my friends, I'm going out to brunch, I'm out with Bay or the new Bay, <laughs> or you're at some event and you're like, what is, what if this happens again? So you, yeah. so that's how you have the people who develop like social phobia, agoraphobia, where they do not want to leave the house. So some people will have like a panic disorder with agoraphobia where they do not leave the house at all because there's this fear of wow. if I leave the house, this will happen to me. Um, and you see a lot with like students, high schoolers and middle schools where they have like social anxiety. They don't want to go to school and they have stomach aches and all these pain. And it's like, if I go to school, what will happen? What if this happens in a classroom? So they want to be home. So um, that's just the difference. I always want people to know the difference between is this fear-based or is this a worry that I have that is like excessive worry that I'm having for a very long time. So one of the things um, somebody just mentioned it before now, especially now with everything that's going on, is a lot of people are worried, you know? Um, they're worried about whether or not they're getting sick. Are they sick? Are they, you know, because for me, I had to be, that was when my anxiety kicked in. I started having anxiety at the beginning with you cough and you're like, oh, my God, is this it? Uh, how do I know this yeah. is not it? Okay, there's a lot of people around me. There's a lot of people coming in and out. Or I'm, how do I move around? So how do you handle like that kind of situation? So, because then it's not really as extreme, you know, but it's still there and it's affecting how you function. It's affecting, you know, your regular day to day, but it's due to this one particular area that yeah. then translates into a lot of other things going on. Yeah, absolutely. Like, so, like what Reese says, the what yeah. ifs. Yeah, absolutely. So that's definitely anxiety. Uh, what people don't realize is that 40 million people in the United States suffer from anxiety. So 18% of people suffer from anxiety in the United States. So one of us have it, and we may not even know that we have it. And the reason why is because only one third of people are receiving treatment. Mm. So the other two thirds of the population are not receiving treatment for anxiety. So we don't even recognize we have it. And something like COVID can produce anxiety because usually anxiety, sometimes whether it's um, for some people, they have it because of family trends and history. For some people, it could be childhood abuse. For other people, it's a major life event that happens that triggers something. So COVID is a major life thing that is affecting all of us, mm -hmm. except for the folks out there who protest. But that's another, that's something <laughs> right. else. I don't know what's wrong with them. But for a lot of us, it's, it's we have no control. And many of us like to have control over situations. We want to have a control over our schedule. So for some people who can work from home, they're like, great, I could be home. But at the same time, you want to be home on your own terms and leave out, go to brunch, go to the coffee shop, go mm -hmm. and do this, go and do that. But there's a lot of things that have kind of been stripped away from us. And we're also dealing with a lot of grief and loss, complicated grief that's happening, collective grief that's happening. So all of that can really produce um, anxiety in a lot of us um, that we weren't aware of. So now you kind of, your brain kind of tricks itself that your brain is kind of just anxious all the time now. So you see someone cough, you associate, now Now we all associate cough with COVID. Right. Like, we don't even think like, oh, you got an out, you have allergies, or, you know, say, yeah, yeah. Yeah. no, now it's like, oh, oh, stop up to say that. Right, like, right. Good my I life. Get, like, literally, the other day, I was on the phone with my mom, and I coughed for a second. She's like, oh, saca pa la. I was like, I was just eating something earlier, yeah. so it's probably still like, I didn't drink water, 
but it's like immediately everyone now is that's what they say so one of the things people should do you should ask yourself is this a fact or a fear so when mm. you find yourself coughing in that moment maybe you're coughing because of something you just ate two seconds ago you were laughing with some friends and all of a sudden like you find yourself coughing because that happens or people are yeah. laughing you find yourself choking um and if what you want to do is look write down your facts write down on the sheet of paper facts versus fears and mm. ask yourself okay the facts based off of boo and you know world health organization and cdc and your state governor's website or department of health do i have the symptoms of covid do i have the fever do i have um Am I having, you know, that deep dry cough? Am I losing taste in my, my mouth? Like mm -hmm. go over what the symptoms are. We know the symptoms are changing day by day on the websites, you know, new things they're introducing, but go based off of what you see that the experts are listing based off the cough you just had and ask yourself, well, okay, am I really, um, is this really COVID right now that I have? Or am I just telling myself that? Because you don't want to, every time you have a cough, you tell yourself, oh my gosh, this is COVID. Because when you tell yourself that, now you find your heart racing. Now you find you're producing an anxiety in your, in your body because your brain kind of tricks it because the middle part of your brain is where the emotional part of your brain relies. This is where you start popping off. This is the yeah. way for me to put it off with people. This is where you start popping off. Your amygdala that's in there, it's like this little almond shaped thing. It's having this fight or flight response in your body. And then you find that it's increasing this anxiety in you. And this is how mm. people start to have all this anxiety. They're just like, oh my gosh, what's happening? This is too much to handle. I can't do this. Um, and you find yourself not regulated. Your emotions yes. are just going off um, rather than you thinking up here, your prefrontal cortex, which is like the analytical computer part of your brain, I like to call it, that allows you to think critically and say, okay, is this really COVID? What can I do to manage my emotions in this moment to calm down because Maybe I'm just telling myself that, you know, I don't, you know, instead of telling yourself I have it, go and get tested to make sure if you really have it or not. I love the fact, I love that fact versus fear. And mm -hmm. one of the things that you, um, you mentioned during that I wanted to go to next is how do you communicate it? Because a lot of people, especially if you're not used to this, you don't know what's going on. You're already anxious and trying to communicate it or tell your spouse or that your child now that's at home, you can't tell your child you're having anxiety. So the pop off, you're either popping off, you're you're agitated, you're you're not able to kind of convey what's going on with you, especially if you don't know. And if you do know and it's becoming something like that's increasing, trying to have that conversation with someone like this is what I'm going going through. How how can we do that if you're literally going through like a panic and you feel like you're getting ready to go into a panic attack? Yeah. So I think one of the things people have to start doing, we have to start using I feel statements. So we're not vulnerable enough with people and telling them why we're stressed out or what's bothering us in that moment. And also identifying what is triggering you. So mm. we, we, many of us are going through this pandemic. We're all in the, this pandemic, but it affects everyone differently. So perhaps for one person who's an who's a entrepreneur, they're having all this, you know, um, anxiety-induced symptoms that are happening because they're thinking about when am I going to get my next contract because this, these last three contracts fell apart. Um, so now I don't know if I'm going to have enough money to sustain my business. Where for someone else, it could be, you know, I'm at home, I'm trying to do these Zoom calls with my job and you work in a leadership position. You're the only, you're the only ICN at your job. So you're already trying to do more work to show up, you know, at your job. 
but then your kids have homework assignments and then your significant other needs you for something. So now you're overwhelmed and you don't know what to do. So identifying exactly what it is, instead of just saying like, oh my gosh, I'm stressed out. Identify what is stressing you out in that moment because it varies for every person. So I think once we're able to put exactly what it is and say, you know, I feel overwhelmed today because I'm trying to figure out how am I gonna manage these meetings on top of preparing a funeral arrangement for my loved one. Or I'm feeling stressed out today because I scrolled through Facebook and Instagram this morning and I saw a lot of rest in peace. And now I don't know how I'm gonna tell, you know, the woman in my family that entered Louis. Like, you know, like identifying what it is that's causing you to feel stressed out in that moment. Because sometimes people don't do that. And when you don't identify the triggers, it's going to be hard for you to create a plan. So I have this whole thing. It's called IMP. IMP. It's part of this uh, DBT therapy technique where I stands for identifying your triggers. M is for making a plan. And P is for preparing for the worst. So you want to figure out what are your triggers in that moment. For some people, it's every Monday morning. They're stressed yeah. out. You're home during this pandemic. The weekend, things were good. But you know, on Monday, you got to go back to work. You're an essential worker. So now you're stressed out, especially for my healthcare workers who may work Monday through Friday or those that are nurses that do four days on, three days off. You may find that you're home for a few days, you're good. But the day before you have to leave out the house to go to the grocery store, to go out to pick up some medication for pharmacy, the pharmacy, whatever it is you have to do, you may find yourself stressed out. So you want to create yeah. a plan. You want to tell yourself, okay, I know what my triggers are. So for me, I already know what my trigger is going to be. On Friday, one of my triggers is going to be going to the grocery store because they're not delivering in New Jersey. Instacart's not delivering. All of that stuff is not delivering. So I know for me, going to the grocery store is going to be my trigger. So I need to create, make a plan. So what is my plan going to be? Writing out by out every item I need. And then I have to prepare for the worst. What happens when I show up there and it's a long line? Do mm -hmm. I want to stay? What am I going to do to ground myself in a moment? So you want to tell yourself these things to prepare yourself. That way you can decrease some of the, um, so, so you can regulate your emotions and not, you know, have yourself popping off 27, 24-7. So that's something that I tell people often do, like, figure out what are your triggers. Identify exactly what it is because it's really going to help you to know how to communicate with um, your your significant other, your, your loved ones, your friends, your children. And we know even in the Haitian community, yeah. oftentimes parents aren't communicating with their kids. And you yeah. need to learn how to communicate with your kids because if not, they turn into adults and they're in my therapy office because the gumun never said, I love you. The gumun mm -hmm. never said, I'm sorry. The gumun never said, tell me what's going on. Instead, it's like, Chita, be quiet. I went through worse. And they right. say these things not recognizing that you are not allowing your child to learn how to identify healthy and healthy emotions like being upset, yeah. stressed out. Those are okay emotions. It's just what you do with it. So we have to learn how to communicate uh, more as it relates to our um, emotions. One, um, I just want you to repeat this one more time for me. You said it was IMP. Mm -hmm. Yep. Identify your triggers. Mm -hmm. And then you want to make a plan. And you also want to prepare for the worst because sometimes you create a, a plan and it don't work. Like, yeah. it don't work. So you want to ask yourself, what is the worst that could happen? Because oftentimes what people do when they have anxiety is they have the what ifs and they go into this whole thing I like to call train of thought. So it, it starts from what if I go to the grocery store? What if I get COVID? What if I go to the hospital? What if um, 
I end up deceased. And I know that's a trigger, like as far as talking about grief now for some people. Yeah. Um, what happens? Who's going to take care of my kids? I'm going to lose my house. And it just keeps going, keeps going. And it's a train of thought that happens. And it's catastrophic thinking. Because you're yeah. going from one thing, it becomes the worst. And then you say, well, I'm going to the grocery store. Like, just forget yeah. it. I'm not, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to submit this paper. Or, you know, I know a lot of kids are home now from school. And a lot of them are struggling. Or um, even those that are working, they just feel like it's too much to handle. So they just say, well, you know what? I'm back. Keep that by guys. I don't want to do it. And just leave it alone. They don't want to do anything. Yep. I like that. And being very clear, being very clear with your communication. When, I love that you said that. So it's pretty much like instead of just saying, I'm upset, be very clear about what you're upset about and getting people to understand how you're feeling. Okay. So how do you convince, we're talking about Haitian parents, you just mentioned a few times, we all know, <laughs> so we don't need to even get into why we even have to ask this question, but a lot of them don't believe in anxiety. You know, mm -hmm. like I remember trying to explain my anxiety to my mom and it was like, she told me to pray, of course. And when I didn't know what was going on, I thought that was it. Like I needed to pray and then I would finish praying and I'm still just as anxious as before. Yeah. So how do you have that conversation with someone that don't, I don't want to say not believe because they don't know enough to believe or don't believe, but this is just not yeah. something that they understand. So how do you yeah. have that conversation with them? And also, if you are, if you realize they are anxious, because sometimes they put that on us, right? Mm -hmm. So how do you even have that conversation with them? Yeah, so if we notice a lot of times in the Haitian community, especially when we're looking at, they believe in their religious workers. And Grace, Wanda, are you frozen? Is it frozen? Okay. Is it frozen or is it good? Hold on, I okay, can see you okay. and hear you clearly. Um, so Let me... I think I think hold on. are we frozen? frozen? Hold on. Cause I'm seeing everything great. Jen, am I frozen? Okay, I think we're hold good on. now. We're back. You were frozen before. We're good? Okay. Okay, good. <laughs> I want to make sure. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so um, I, what I wanted to say is that a lot of times in the Haitian community, they, when they say pray about it, we know that they trust their religious leaders, mm -hmm. oftentimes more than they trust the healthcare workers, healthcare professionals. And it's not their fault. It's because of how how things have been historically when we look at, you know, the Haitian community. So I think what we need to do, especially as mental health professionals, we have to start partnering with religious leaders in the community. So really? Whether, oh, yeah, okay, okay. Oh, I was being a constant Bob. So we have to yeah. connect with them. So whether it's um, the Catholic church, um, a mosque, a Christian church, whatever it is, whatever people's faith systems are, we have to connect with them and do more mental health related workshops um, that are faith-based and let them know how you can integrate both, you know, Jesus and therapy, whoever your, your God that you serve. Like we can integrate both because oftentimes people think you can't. They think mm -hmm. one is superior over the other or they often assume that, make the assumption that because you're dealing with anxiety or depression that you don't have enough faith or you, you got too much sin going on in your life or, you know, you're not listening, you know, that's upeche, whatever they want to say. But we have to like... Um, integrate both together and when we're able to do that it will allow them to trust the, uh, people more and I think also too what I find because my dad is a pastor I yeah. find that people run to him immediately for anything and I'm like they should be calling the doctor for that they need to go see a therapist for that they need to call an immigration lawyer for that they immediately think the pastor is everything like mm -hmm. everything and they need to stop doing that and I think pastors also need to make sure they are they have a list of referral like a referral database where they can refer 
whether it's therapists, engineers, accountants, healthcare specialists, dentists, eye doctors. That way the community can say, well, if my, if my pastor is recommending this person, then I know I can go to them based off of recommendation. Yeah. Um, and also to holding, you know, holding seminars on mental health and what it looks like and just debunking some of the myths we have in our own culture. We know there's a lot of things that culturally what people believe in um, based off of their practices, uh, whether it's um, Buddhism, um, Catholicism, Christianity, whatever their faith practices is, if they believe in holistic approaches, we have to bring all that to the table and then show them as far as like, okay, when it comes to mental illness, here are some things that you can do. And just yeah. because you have a mental illness doesn't mean that immediately you're going to be put on medication or you have to go to an inpatient psychiatric hospital. Um, so showing them the process as far as seeing a therapist. Um, I've, I've had Haitian people come to me where our, our session was an entirely Creole. The entire session was in Creole and having them understand their PTSD that happened from childhood or from the earthquake or um, learning how to relax in a moment because oftentimes a lot of the stuff that they're doing is fear-based, worry-based. And, and we know they do that all the time. You tell your parents like, oh, I'm getting ready to go on vacation to, I'm, go, I'm, going, I'm, going, to, I'm going to Bali. And what do they say to you? Oh, or like, so they say all this stuff because it's fear-based rather than looking at the facts. And so they create this fear and they live in that fear all day long. It's like, they kind of get paranoid in a way. You know, yeah. their blinds got to be off. Oh, femenina, do this. Like all these things that we, we have in our culture that we have to start exploring. Where is this coming from? And what can we do to really help them to understand? Yeah. And if they don't want to go to therapy, some simple practices you can do is sit at home with your mom and do yoga. Let's do yoga. Let's yeah, practice. My mom is not doing yoga. I need another, <laughs> like, I need another tip. <laughs> that's true. Like, or like either practicing deep breathing, like sitting yeah. there with them. Like, so... For example, like my dad, like I said, my dad is a uh, my dad is a pastor. Uh, well, he's on sabbatical for a while, so he ain't going back to it. But like yeah. my dad believes in therapy, um, and so people always find it weird. There's like, how does your dad your dad believes in therapy? Like they used to send my little brother when he was 12 to go see a psychiatrist mm -hmm. and a therapist because of his own mental illnesses and challenges that he's had. So they believe in it. So even like my dad actually just called me an hour ago, and he was like, "Miss me." He said, oh my gosh, anxiety everywhere. He wow. said, you're going to be busy. Everybody has mm -hmm. anxiety, all the doctors. And he said, I can't even sleep. And even when he was in a hospital last year due to a heart issue, because he, he has major heart failure, he was even, the, the nurse came into the room and said, how are you feeling today? He said, not good. I feel, I have, I'm having anxiety. <laughs> Do you have yeah. anything for it? So even he recognizes when he has anxiety, but that's not something that happens often with our community. So I think what they need, they need to see other Haitian gumbun that have dealt with it and for them to sit down with them and hear their stories and their journeys yeah. um, from the mother who had a miscarriage, for the, for the person who came here from Haiti and is displaced from their family, from the ones that are losing loved ones due to COVID, hearing their personal stories and they're like, okay, wow, this is not too bad. Or even a support group, you know, because we know our community, we, we thrive off of being together. So yeah. sometimes having them sit in a room together and do a support group and have somebody else come in there, you know, a younger person who, who understands mental health and maybe a mental health professional talk about it. I think it's going to help them to see like, wow, I'm not alone in this journey. I'm not the only one experiencing these symptoms. There are some coping strategies because seeing a therapist is going to be hard for them, especially if the yeah. therapist does not look like them or speak their language. 
So starting in a, in an environment or space where they already trust. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, another yeah. thing that I like um, that you said, so pretty much in what you're saying, we should also be a little bit more sensitive in how we deal with their lack of knowledge on the topic or so, cause you know, a lot of times we get frustrated cause they don't want to listen. Yeah. So what I'm also getting from what you're saying is not being like, Oh my God, mom, like, you know, like just, just even bringing that type of energy to them, being a little bit more understanding of where they are on the idea of any of this and, and slowly bringing them in, right? Absolutely, absolutely. I think because we are the younger generation, we have to understand our own, we have to have self-awareness. Like we yeah. have to understand like, okay, well, this is not a part of what they're accustomed to. This is not the way that they were raised growing up. And, you know, they're much older now. So they're kind of stuck in their ways, as people say. So it's kind of hard to unlearn certain patterns that you've developed for 40, 50, 60, 70 years. So yeah. we have to be the one to kind of offer compassion and find ways where um, we can help them. But I also think um, as millennials, we have to go and see our own therapist because yeah. oftentimes we don't recognize how the things that our family have done, the way they talk to us, their, you know, the fear that they have, we start to develop some of that too. So if mm -hmm. we go and see someone, at least we have our own outlet to say, let me tell you about my mom. Let me tell you about my dad. Let me tell you about this, my, my, my grandmother, like she just won't do this. And so you have that outlet and someone can help you to develop um, healthy physical and emotional boundaries because boundaries is a big thing, <laughs> big struggle in our community. And I'm big on talking about healthy boundaries and how to establish it in a way where it does not create more stress for the person mm -hmm. that's coming to see me in therapy. I love it. I love it. So another thing I wanted to ask you before um, we let you go anxiety in men versus women women you know we're a little bit more talkative we're a little bit more like even if we're not talking to everyone we have a girlfriend that we're being honest with and telling them what's going on and even now you have all these guys that are home they're with their wives their kids people are losing jobs and they don't men are not always so ready um yeah. hold on i think it's buffering always ready to talk or have a conversation about how they're feeling so does anxiety look different in men and women or is it about the same thing or yeah so what ends up happening is that um anxiety and also even with panic um attacks and disorders they're double um among women than men and for men mm. you see more depressive symptoms mixed with anxiety in them when they do have it because you know as you said as women we are the emotional we we are very we're out there for yeah. men they might just shut down and retreat so um you know with them being home i think I think as, as women, we have to do a better job with understanding when things have changed with them. So like really being self-aware and just like watching and monitoring their behaviors and the things that they're not saying out loud. Um, so if they had a job loss, um, really understanding that um, if they have family members that are impacted by COVID-19, how does, how, how does that impact them? Because for, for women, like we can call all of our girlfriends and be like, oh my gosh, yeah. let me tell you what's happening. You know, so-and-so is going through this. But then what we find is that sometimes for, for some men, um, they don't have that space because they don't have a, a brotherhood or community or they don't know how to speak it out. So for some men, they may watch, watch TV all day. They may be emotional eaters. They may um, start drinking. So that's one of the things you want to look out for. Are people, is there an increase in alcohol use, um, increase in drug use, um, increase in um, risky behaviors and activities? 
So like looking at those things to say, okay, well, there's a change in your pattern and what can I do to help you to cope in this moment? So, you know, even asking something simple like, what, you know, what would you be able to tell me if I create a safe space for you? And what does a safe space look like? So um, Brene Brown has this concept called braving um, and it's all part about building trust. So mm -hmm. B is for boundaries, R is for are you reliable? A is for, I think, accountability. V is for vaulting. Vaulting pretty much means that if I tell you something and I trust you with it, you're not going to go and tell the whole world. Um, I is for integrity and it's for non-judgmental. And G is for, I think, generosity. Um, so that is very important to know. Like, so you want to understand trust and vulnerability. Um, when you when you can develop that, it's easier for people to trust you and feel like, okay, I can sit down and tell you what's happening because you're going to listen. You're not going to judge what I have to say. You're going to, um, you know, just listen. For some people, they just want you to listen and validate yeah. their experience. They're not looking for solutions. And and men quite men do this a lot. Men do this with women. They're constantly like, oh, why don't you just do this? And in that moment, it creates frustration for the the lady. And it's like, well, I'm not looking for a solution. I just want to vent, and I just want to yeah. hear you say, I hear you. I, you know, what do you need? So figuring out what do you need to be soothed in that moment. It could be a hug for some people. It could be, you know. Give me a cup of coffee. For me, it's give me a cup of coffee. Like, give me a cup yeah. of coffee. I'm good. We good, bro. <laughs> you know? <Yeah. laughs> so figuring out what it is that you need in that moment to kind of help you to kind of um, release some of that stress. Okay. And um, what was what was the word? I was trying to write them down as you oh, were going. And I got braving, um, like B-R-A-V-I-N-G, yeah, so, braving. Yeah. So br br braving by Brene Brown. So Brene Brown has this whole concept around vulnerability and trust. So uh, you guys can look it up. She has a bunch of TED Talks on it. She's actually, she has, she's a social work degree, uh, a doctorate in it. Um, okay. But she doesn't practice as a therapist, but she's more so a speaker and one of Oprah's, you know, book list folks. <laughs> yeah. So ladies, if you're, you know, if your man is, like she said, it's changing behavior. And like she said, we're all going through the same thing right now. So maybe not waiting for him to say something. But I know I'm big on that. I'm like, something's wrong. I can tell something's wrong, but you're also like, when is he going to say something? And you, like, you're like, I need him to say something. And they don't always say something. So mm -hmm. being aware that you, you've already noticed something's going on, being able to go over and say, hey, A, B, C, D, yeah. right. So us without being a little nagging. bit more understanding. Yeah, without nagging, because sometimes our own yeah. fears and anxieties show up. Because they haven't said them. anything. Right, because you're yeah. like, I'm freaking out. You're just watching basketball i'm freaking out why are you so calm and i guess that like if they're just watching basketball for 12 hours mm -hmm. yeah that's a sign that something's wrong with them too and my sign is i'm like cleaning now and stop we're going crazy mm -hmm. <laughs> got it got it got it so it's like silent like they're so silent yeah yep <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so Thank you so much, Marley. But before we let you go, I, I'm seeing all of these comments and everyone's mm -hmm. kind of like saying the same thing. I was trying to see if we had any questions to where we can ask outside of what we'd always, um, um, outside of what we're already talking about. But mm -hmm. right now, we're all at home. Families are all together. Different people in the house might be experiencing a different kind of anxiety. Like, mm -hmm. what are some tips right now? If you had to give us like five really good tips for us to, for the rest of this week that we can take with us. Yeah, so the first thing you want to do is create a self-care plan. And mm -hmm. your self-care plan, whether it's eating healthy, making sure you're drinking, lots of water. Um, so like the basic things, getting your body to move around, so exercising, 
you want to have one person that you can talk to that you know fuels you and does not drain you. Um, something else you want to do is you want to create a sleep hygiene plan. People don't know what sleep hygiene is. They just know personal hygiene, which is, you know, brushing your I'm teeth. I'm like, sleep hygiene? Yes, I do this every single night. And I think this may be the biggest thing that's going to help a lot of people right now. So sleep hygiene, this is a routine that you do to get your body to get ready to go to sleep. So whether it's turning off all tech devices within half an hour, um, utilizing things like this. So this is peppermint. I use essential oils every single night and I just put a dab on like my knees because it's very potent and practice some deep breathing as I'm laying down in a bed. Um, some other things that I do is when I go, when I shower at night, I use more calming scents like vanilla, chamomile, lavender, eucalyptus. You use those common sense at nighttime. And then in the morning, when you shower, you use more vibrant um, shower gels, you know, that's going to keep you alert and awake. So you separate your brain from thinking one from the other. So we know coffee, generally people drinking coffee in the morning time. Yeah. We just, we adapted coffee is like what you do in the morning time. Brunches, we know brunches is mimosas. Like, you know, when you go to church, you're not going to sip mimosa in the church building. So we, mm -hmm. our brain have been wired to think a certain way. So you want to do that with your self-care regimen. So using things like this, Bath and Body Works has a whole aromatherapy collection. Um, I need to be a sponsor by them at this point, but they have a whole uh, aromatherapy um, collection, whether it's for sleep, stress, focus, energy, um, wow. passion. So they have a variety and their scents like chamomile and lavender, eucalyptus, spearmint. So you want to use some of those calming scents at night when you shower and when you put lotion on. So when you put lotion on, we have to be more mindful. Oftentimes we're putting lotion on, but we're thinking about everything else. Mm -hmm. So we're worried. You have to end that moment. What does it feel like to put the lotion on your elbows, on your hands, in between everywhere? Like, what does that feel like? Just feel in that moment without you thinking about anything else or having any judgments. Relax your body. Um, and then like when you lay down in your bed, you want to practice some mindfulness activities. So whether it's, um, body scan meditation, you can look on YouTube and find body scan meditation. It's really good. Um, it's where you're literally practicing this whole mindfulness activity from your toes all the way to your head. And it helps people to go to sleep. Um, cause you're not bringing any judgments in your mind. You're learning how to be focused in that moment. And for me, like practicing deep breathing. So taking a deep breath in for four seconds holding it for four and releasing it, releasing it. I've never four. understood this breathing thing. Like I hear people say it All and day. I'm like, okay, but I'm like, I don't get the connection with the breathing and like. All right. So the connection with the breathing and your mind, when your brain is popping off, that's the amygdala in the hypothalamus that's popping off because it's a fight or flight response happening. It's not regulated. So it makes it different, difficult for the neurotransmitters and the blood and all that stuff to, to just go from the back of your brain to the front because it's kind of stuck right there and it makes it difficult to go. So you got to mm -hmm. get that part of your brain to kind of relax itself. So a great way to relax this is by practicing some mindfulness exercises. So like deep breathing and it gets you to calm down because think about it. If you're, if you run a marathon, not even run a marathon, if you're feeling like upset about something, you know, you can just go and yeah. do that for a while, you find yourself calming down. You're grounding yourself. And when you do that, now you can think clearer you can say something clearer. So deep breathing is really helpful. People don't do this. I always say black women don't breathe. Like we just be, we just be on edge 24 seven yeah. because the way the world has been designed. So take that cape off and just like chill for a bit and do that. Um, there's tons of mindfulness um, apps that someone just mentioned. 
like Insight Timer is a really great one. Um, I use that. I also use um, an app called Rain Rain. Rain Rain is just white noise sounds. So it could be sounds of like um, seagulls to ocean mm. to fire. I don't like the fire one because it sounds like some, some, some house is burning. But like <laughs> raindrops, summer rain, forest rain, and you could put it on for 20 minutes. And then as it gets closer to the 20 minute mark, the volume decreases. So it just doesn't stop out of nowhere. Because think about it. If you're watching TV, you fall asleep on the couch. When someone turns the TV off, you wake up like, yeah. who turned the TV off? But if the sound is, is declining little by little, you have no idea when it stops. And then when you wake up the next day, you can say to yourself, I don't remember when the sound stopped. And you can tell yourself, wow. okay, it takes me about 20 minutes to fall asleep. That's what I do. So I know it takes me 20 minutes to fall asleep. I get eight hours of sleep. I think people have to plan their day. Do not put everything on your calendar and do not and, and forget to schedule a self-care day or a few hours. So as you're penciling all these meetings on your calendar, these lives that you're attending, put in somewhere in there an hour for yourself. And when you have that hour for yourself, do whatever you want to do. You're going to watch Netflix. And then if someone so texts you, hey, you busy, you got to ask yourself, if I answer this text, is it going to drain me right now? If I answer this call, is this going to drain me right now? Because oftentimes there are certain people we talk to that pulls from us. And if that happens, because right now we can't control that. We have people around us that are dealing with grief and loss. We have to show up for each other. But as you're showing up for each other, you want to pencil some breaks in between. So for me, I don't schedule clients back to back during this COVID. I take naps in between. I'm taking lunch breaks in between. Because I have to make sure I refuel myself to start the next one because I do not know what my clients are going through. I could have a client who's doing good for three weeks and this week they pop in and it could be just yesterday, my parents died. What am I going to do in that moment? If I get off that call, then the next call is the same thing. I yeah. have to make sure I refuel myself and we don't do that enough. So people have to do that. When you have meetings, because now people are home, they have meetings from Zoom and virtually and, you know, screen time is a lot to do, deal with. It pulls a lot of energy, as Elise said. It pull, uh, uh, pulls a lot of energy from you. So you yeah. want to make sure you're scheduling time in between, that you're eating lunch, you're taking breaks, um, doing some jumping jacks in between to get yourself wired and able to pay more attention because there are certain meetings that will drain you and pull from you. You got your boss that you don't get along with. You got that coworker. Every meeting, they got something to say that has nothing to do with the meeting. Yeah. And you're just tired and overwhelmed. So tell yourself, okay, before this meeting, what do I need to do? I'm getting ready to present this big project. What can I do to ground myself before I start this meeting? Putting on some relaxation music. Um, just about whatever you need to do. Like for me, it's compound music. Compound music, <laughs> cooking, you know, it kind of gets me going and like relax and I feel all happy. So find things that's going to fuel you in that moment and check in with your body. Up here, tension, right? Let it go. Do some little tapping to feel the vibration and tell yourself, I am worthy, I am good, I am safe, I am alive. Like, tell yourself these things. Like, really feed yourself healthy, you know, healthy, positive words of affirmation because right now a lot of people are doing a lot of the negative self-talk. So you want to yeah. really pour into yourself and say positive words of affirmation because people don't do that often um, because you often hear the messages other people have of you or your own perceptions you think people have of you. Which like, is not even which, accurate sometimes. That's which end up giving you anxiety. Yes, yes. Yeah, because yeah, so many times, like, oh, I don't know what they're going to say. Well, I'm like, did they even say it to you? No, they yeah. didn't. So they yeah. didn't say that to you. That's a fear. So recreate some of the strategies you have. You know, really use positive words of affirmation. Practice that deep breathing. Like, I do deep breathing every day, all day. Like, 
especially now, like because of what we're living in, you kind of have to do that. And if you can get some sunlight, um, you know, you want to practice social distancing, but if you have a backyard, you can go outside, get some sunlight. Yeah, that's, you see, that's, that. that's exactly what I'm doing now. I'm working yes. from my side today. I'm like, I'm outside. My computer, everything is outside. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, on my patio, like I'm outside yes. by the pool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to the beach with other people. Yeah, no, 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 no. I'm not on the beach. Mm -hmm. No. By, no. The, by the pool. <laughs> no, yeah. So, like, you know, find things that's going to refuel you. Everybody knows what that is for them. For some people, it's coloring. Yeah. It's um, learning a new skill. It's um, playing an instrument. So, picking up things that you haven't done in a while that you miss doing and using this time to do that. Um, so, those are some tips. <laughs> I love it. No, I love it. Thank you so much. I'm trying to see if we have any questions. No, but thank you so much, Marlene. This was, oh my God, this is like very, very insightful. Like yeah. I, I've learned a lot of new things that I haven't even been thinking about. And I think mm -hmm. a lot of it too has to do with you're thinking about all this other stuff that maybe even like the simple things you've stopped thinking about. Sleep hygiene? No, never heard of that day in my life. My sleep yeah. hygiene is horrible. I sleep any kind of time and mm. I, it, it's not a prep. It's when my body crashes, I sleep or something like that. Not even thinking how that also may be affecting mm -hmm. my day and yes. my work day and everything else. So thank you so much. I hope everyone, I'm reading the comments. How do you yeah. deal with anxiety of being a widower? Oh, we okay, can't so, leave. Okay. Yeah. That's a hard one. That's a hard one, especially if the loss is recent. No matter how, if, whether it's recent or you, the loss has been 20 years, it's hard, especially now in times a lot of people are dealing with grief. Um, mm -hmm. So I would say definitely practice your self-care routine. If you can find a grief support group, there's a, um, a website called griefshare.org. You can go on there and find different um, grief support groups that are happening and finding a grief expert therapist that you can talk to and also connecting with someone else who has a similar grief experience. Because sometimes what you will find is that when you're dealing with the loss of a spouse, it may be hard for you to connect with some of your close friends and family members because you're like, you can't relate. You're, you got your significant other here or you always bashing them. I wish I had somebody I could just argue with, but they're not here anymore. So what you want to do is find someone else that you know that may have went through it too. And you will find that you guys connect and you're like, wow, I'm not alone. I'm not the only one going through this. Um, find new ways to honor them. Look at old pictures and remember the good things. Remember the good memories and recreate memories. And um, for some people, you may not want to acknowledge them in past tense and that's okay. I know a lot of people when they're dealing with grief, they don't want to say, oh, when so-and-so was here. You know, they still acknowledge them a certain way. They use words like transition and to glory. Like, it's all up to you what works for you. Don't allow anyone to tell you that your grief journey does not matter. Don't allow anyone to tell you that you should get over it or that you're going to find a new spouse. It is your journey. You're going to have moments where you are upset, you're crying, you're angry, you're frustrated. You have other moments where you're happy. You find times where you're crying unexpectedly. It happens. Grief comes in waves. It's a journey. It's not something that goes away overnight. So really find um, a grief therapist. They are grief therapists. I'm not a grief therapist, um, but we have plenty of grief therapists where I'm located in New Jersey that I um, refer to who, who knows how to work with people that are um, dealing with grief during this moment. So finding a um, grief therapist, mm -hmm. being honest about your feelings, being okay, being present in what you're feeling, and also having conversations with other people, these other people that's going through the same way, have experienced the same loss. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, I just thought about what you said and the fact that a lot of times, like, yeah, you, especially when you can't relate, where I was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. 
Um, mm-hmm. But that's really all that some of us can offer if we haven't experienced yeah. the same thing. And you're kind of feeling like you wish you could do more, you can say more, and you're listening to your friend, but it's not really much you can do if you haven't experienced that. So you're yeah. saying it's best to, even though, yes, you can talk to your friends, have other people that's gone to the same. And mm-hmm. Absolutely. And if okay. you know your friend's love language, pour into that. So if your friend is the type of person who loves physical touch, so perhaps they want hugs from you. If you have yeah. a friend who loves um, t- acts of service, perhaps going to their house and saying, I know you haven't slept in days. I'm going to clean your whole house. Granted now, mm. pandemic, there are things we can't do, but perhaps ordering their favorite mo- meal and having it shipped to their house. So finding mm. things that you can do that pours right into their love language so they feel loved during that moment and just being available whenever they need you for something. Thank you so much. So, um, but yeah, I see your comments and um, I see your comments. Um, he said he just started... Um, to say late wife and said, thank you, Marlene. So thank you so much, you know, for these great tips. So before we let you go, can you please let everyone know where we can find you? She has a website and all of the social media. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, MarleneFrancois.com. That's my handle on Instagram, Twitter, um, Facebook. It's Marlene Francois Madden. Um, and I have a therapy practice in New Jersey. I accept signature insurance. If you're looking for a therapist in your state, you can go to psychologytoday.com or you can go mm-hmm. to therapyforblackgirls.com or you can go to therapyforblackmen.org. And when you go on those websites, you can find a therapist in your state. And many therapists right now, I think all of us at this point are doing virtual sessions. So yeah. you find someone who's in your state that's licensed in your state because you can utilize your insurance or if you have your job offers EAP, ask your job, ask your HR, call them today. Hey, you guys got EAP? Because employee assistance program, EAP, you get like up to 12 free sessions. So why not utilize that? So Mm. sometimes people don't know about the resources that are available to them. So utilize those websites and ask therapists, hey, you can't see me. Can you give me a list of other therapists who take my insurance or have any openings right now? Beautiful. So social media website, Marlene Francois. Thank you so much, Marlene. Thank Thank you. you for being here with us today. I hope we can do more of these in the future. Yes. Um, I'm reading everyone's comments. Very, very insightful. Have amazing rest of your week. And if I need you, I'll be calling you. Yes, I'm here. She ain't my client, guys. Just in case no. lawyers in here trying to come for me. Don't right? No, 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 no. I'll call for my little tips. Now, one thing I yes. have learned, I am, I am open to calling and asking for help if I realize I need help. Absolutely. I used to be the yeah. kind that wouldn't say anything. I'm big mm-hmm. now on. Listen, this is going on. Yep. What should I do? Who should I call? And I'll sit here mm-hmm. and take the reference, call the people. So when I say I'll call her, meaning like if yeah. there's something going on, I'm like, Marlene, how should I handle this? Where should I go? Who should I be calling? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, absolutely. just practice. It's available to you, so why not use it, right? Yes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yep. Right. And, any final words? Um, guys, just be safe out here. Stay home. Practice social distancing. Um, show up for each other. Use this time to find a way to build with your community and tell yourself, I'm going to be okay. Don't be too hard on yourself during this time because you're not doing certain things. Just like tell yourself like, okay, um, I need to just show up for myself the best way I can today. So whether it's just you eating your three meals today, that's what you got accomplished and that's it. It's okay. We in this together. (laughs) Pretty much be kind to yourself. Yes. So everyone have an amazing rest of your week.